0: Tuning in to our Linden Road online worship experience. So glad you're here. If this is your first time, we want to extend a special welcome to you and say thanks for checking us out. And you could do us a favor by clicking on the digital connection card, or leaving a comment in the chat, or even if you scroll down, if you're watching us on YouTube, in the description you'll find a link there to the digital connection card where you can leave a prayer request and give us your email address, and we'd love to connect with you. And if there's a question you might have, uh, we'd certainly would uh, love to try to answer that. And again, we, we certainly hope it's not your last time. So glad you're here. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and grateful too that you've tuned in and would invite you to use those same connection pieces, the digital connection card or comment in the chat or the link here in the description on YouTube of something we might need to know, a prayer request or something you want us to know here at the office. But so glad you are here too. We're four weeks out from the first Sunday of Advent. How amazing is that? And Thanksgiving's in between here and there. And we wanna share with you that on Thanksgiving Eve, November 22nd, we will be hosting the last night in the Thanks Living experience here in Mansfield through God's Field, as we celebrate all that God has done in giving thanks for his many blessings. And so if you're in the community, we invite you to come at 6.30 and take part in that worship experience. And there's a link here to the other venues that will be celebrating that experience here in the Mansfield area.
1: The church is at a tipping point cultural moment full of distraction from growing division we're leaving the next generation unseen and with unmet needs and they're abandoning their faith at an alarming rate by more than one million every year that's two more people just by the time you finish watching this video this is important for all of us for the next generation as they approach adulthood isolated and anxious about the state of the world without the hope of jesus or the support from a community of faith and for the church as we miss the opportunity to learn from and care for a generation of leaders thinkers and innovators whose perspective and tenacity would shape the next chapter of the church and its work in the world so what can we do we're making a 10-year commitment to the next generation To change the way we listen to, support, and disciple together. And to partner with leaders in reaching and caring for the next generation. We don't have all the answers, but we know it's time to start the conversation. Why? To see the world that could be, where young people are engaged in honest relationships with Jesus within a community of faith. To see congregations and parishes practice the way of Jesus, expressing God's love to all generations. To see faith matter more to 10 million young people over the next 10 years. But it'll take all of us.
0: We're beginning a new series this week called Pursuing a Deeper Life. We're going to take a look at the idea of openness and belonging and purposeful living. All of those are elements that I think we're all looking for but in particular I want to talk about in the context of what I think Gen Z is looking at. Now uh, just to give you some context here, Gen Z are those uh, young people that are born between 1997 and 2012, or where they're 11 to 26 years of age. And as we look at this age group, we know that in in many places, they are not found in communities of faith. It has to do with many things, and I want to try to give some perspective on what those young people are looking for, but I also want to suggest that I think all of us, in some regards, are looking for similar things. Now, just to give some other context to the the, the whole uh, generational understanding. So the millennials are those that were born between 1981 and 1996, or they're 27 to 42 years of age. And then Gen X, as we talked about, is 1965 to 1980, which is 43 to 58 years of age. And then the boomers are those that were born between 55 and 1964, or they're between 59 and age 68. And those that come from the greatest generation, the silent generation, are those that came before. And so as we think about these various groupings of of individuals, we know that right now there seems to be a genuine openness to who Jesus is. And yet what's interesting is it's not happening in the church. It's happening in many ways outside the church. And yet I would suggest that the young people that are out there that there is a pursuit of truth and a sense of purpose and a a deeper connection that they're longing for. So I want to look at a story out of the New Testament, one that somehow we missed when we did our study on the book of Acts called Unhindered. It comes to us out of chapter 8, and it's a conversation around uh, one of the disciples, Philip, and and the Ethiopian. Hear these words from Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury, of the Kanake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Astus, and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So I want to lay out a couple things based on this scripture. First is this idea of when we get to experience uh, divine encounters, like uh, Philip did. Just like the Roman road system that Philip and the Ethiopian were traveling on, it actually created a new opportunity for the advancement of the gospel. And this roadway system actually created an opportunity for cross-cultural relations. And think about the technology of those paved roads, and it has done many things even today for Our young people. But here's what I want to say when we look at this story, as you read it from Scripture, we see that all of us need divine guidance to lead us towards divine encounters. What do we see here? Well, we see that Philip, as he was going along, allows his life and the plans that he has made to be interrupted for the sake of being used by God. So what we can see from this is that that when we have interruptions and when we have these intentional uh, actions, they are both essential to encountering God. Now, what's interesting is how did Philip respond to it? Well, he allowed God to interrupt his plans, and then he took intentional steps of obeying and sharing the gospel, which helps us get one of our big points today is that we need to be intentional with our lives and our time if we're going to experience God working. When we think about reaching people for Jesus, whether it's a young person or or a peer, that that's not something like that just happens on a regular basis, like a TV show. What we can see, and it's actually presented to us earlier in the same chapter, in verses 4 through 8, where Philip, he was already proficient at reaching out and offering the hope of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus, to those that needed to hear the good news, that Philip had a passion for preaching this good news. In fact, look here at verse 4 of chapter eight, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was a great joy in that city. You see, it's interesting as Philip went out to take the gospel, right? that it was an act of faith on his part where he was being obedient to the direction of the Holy Spirit. And it's the same obedience that you and I can lean into when we have these moments to encounter others and share the hope. Because we often see that God does bring people into our lives that are like a holy disruption, if you will, to our, our normal routine. And so we need to see, as Philip demonstrates for us, the significance of his openness to just being present, as he shared the gospel, even though it may have meant uh, public ridicule and the idea that he was hanging out with people that were seen to be unclean, and because he was doing a ministry to the Samaritans, and we know what that looks like, right? So when I think about our own story as a church, I think about my story, I think about your story, I think there's many times where we get these divine encounters, if you will, these divine disruptions of where God shows up, And if we lean into those moments, it creates an amazing opportunity for us to be intentional with becoming more fully devoted to who God is and to loving Jesus more, that we think about the amazing saints that have gone before us. Even last week we celebrated All Saints Day or the idea of the Reformation Sunday, of reminding ourselves of where we've come from. And as we look at those that have gone before and how we stand on their shoulders of making a difference, as I think about many times, this very outpost where we find ourselves here in Mansfield, that there was a group of men and women who, back in 1819, uh, decided that they were going to create a presence here in Mansfield that would honor the Presbyterian tradition. And they met originally in the blockhouse and then actually built a couple different buildings near the downtown area, which is now the library parking garage. And then in the 1950s, moved out here to this space. And then in the 1960s, actually built this space that we're in here even today, where we worship. And thinking about just all the faithfulness that went into that, and the men and women I've had the pleasure of knowing over these last nine years, and many others who I learned about who were faithful to what God would have them do in obedience to being uh, Jesus' hands and feet to this community. I'm reminded uh, a quote here from Pastor Francis Chan. He says, When we pray for divine encounters, we're inviting God to orchestrate moments where his love and truth intersect with the lives of those that we encounter. This becomes poignant when we think about how do we be the church in this current season? Right here in Mansfield, since the first of the year, there have been 11 tragic murders, uh, two of which just happened uh, 10 days ago. And it uh, it was of two uh, teenagers. Four uh, additional students were also wounded in that encounter. Fortunately, the young person that perpetrated it, one of them allegedly, was arrested earlier this week. And yet it brings to question, what do we do? How do we respond? How do we bring about love and peace in our community? And so as we think about how we can speak into those moments, we need to be reminded that it's the Holy Spirit is is the one that empowers us, that he is the one that is at work through the lives of those that are willing to be open to that. And the truth is, we're seeing a lot of this openness on display through the faith of the younger generations. Now, if you're an adult or a parent or grandparent, let me ask you this question. You can ponder this. How have you been encouraged by the faith you have seen modeled by younger generations? Or if you're a young person, if you're in that Generation Z age group, how have you been encouraged by the stories of faith you are seeing among your peers? So we think first about how we need to experience these divine encounters. Then we also need to, like Philip, need to engage with a sense of curiosity and also humility. Again, the scripture says to us here in Acts chapter 8, verse 30, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. It's interesting, what does Philip do here? He asks a question. Do you understand what you're reading there in verse 30? So what I want us to see here is this idea of how we can approach these moments with humility and actually maybe with a desire to comprehend another person's viewpoints. Which leads to a a big point, if you will, for us to understand that proximity leads to engagement. And and what I mean by that is that you can't care about those that you're not close to, in proximity to. And then even thinking about how the eunuch asks this humble question, how can I, unless someone guides me? Uh, That's uh, amazing to see Philip's response, right? So I think we need to see here how how curiosity can actually deepen our relationship with God and it can lead us into spiritual maturity and that both spiritual and natural curiosity are gifts from God. It's the way he's wired us. When I think about the many things that this church does, even this week in our pots and pans ministry, there's a family that just moved to the community because of some issues in another community, and they basically had to leave with only a one bag full of uh, personal items from another state. And they've now uh, made residence here. And it was amazing that Carolyn was able to uh, have a conversation to figure out the things they need. And we were able to fulfill that need through the generosity of many who support our Pots and Pans ministry. And I think it's important that we see it's in those moments that if we're faithful to keeping an inventory here stocked with pots and pans, that, that God's going to use that in an amazing way. I want to say this, though, that we have to engage with others, especially with others who don't look like us or who don't talk like us or who maybe even don't think like us, to talk about the truths of who God is and the truths of Scripture. And we need to do that with curiosity and humility. Now, let me ask you this question to ponder for a moment. Who are those diverse people you have listened to and that you've learned from that have helped you grow personally and and spiritually? It's part of the reason why even our worship experience here, I call it an experience or a gathering as opposed to a service, partly because I just want to change how people see it or the idea of even how I dress, uh, not as a pastor with a robe and a clerical collar, although I understand all those Uh, trappings, if you will, of showing that I would be a pastor and of standing because of wearing those things. But I don't want my clothing to be a distraction or a barrier to others. I know many of the people I work with in jail, as I've said before, that the only robe they know is the one that is on the judge that's judging them. And I get all that. And so I don't want to create that sense of disconnect or sense that I'm better than them. I want them to see that I'm just as normal as they are and uh, am working through even the same kinds of issues in life. I want us to spend a moment to think about the perspective from Gen Z, because I want to suggest very clearly, based upon what I've seen in the data and the surveys, is that Gen Z is a very curious generation. They're very open. And I think if we can meet them with curiosity, uh, that the idea of who are you, and what I mean by that is, Instead of leading out in a question with, let me tell you what I understand, I think what would serve us better is in conversations with Gen Z is to ask that question in a way of saying, tell me more about what you're thinking. Or instead of saying, here's what I think, ask them first what they think and then build a response around that. And then actually sit back and listen to the things that they see and the perspective they want to take. I want to draw on some of the good work from our friends at Barna. One of the things that they say, a stat that they've offered is that 52% of Gen Z believes that doubt is a necessary part of life's journey. But it's not the end goal. That comes from their study called Spiritual Hunger and Curiosity among Gen Z in America. I'll look at another Barna stat here that says that though Gen Z is like other generations and that they tend to feel comfortable in their beliefs, can see here in this first chart some 38 uh, percent but at the same time a significant portion uh, in this next bar graph here 25 percent feel compelled that they need to dig deeper and to learn more about what they believe that again comes from this chart openness of religious beliefs which then leads into just wrestling through what does that mean and i think uh, a couple quotes here to offer to give some perspective eugene cho who's a pastor uh Uh, on the west coast says questions are a way to express our doubt and our faith our trust in God is not diminished by our questions Uh, comes from his book thou shall not be a jerk Christian guide to engaging in politics or another pastor that I read and follow and listen to very closely Rich Volatis who pastors in New York says doubt is not the enemy of faith it is the ground out of which faith often emerges faith requires us to venture into mystery there's no certainty in mystery. Doubt and faith are companions on the journey. That comes to us from Rich's book, The Deeply Formed Life, Five Transformative Values to Root Us in the Way of Jesus. So then when we look at this Generation Z, you know, what can we learn from them? What can we learn from their curiosity and even their open approach to conversations about faith? Think about this for a moment. If you're an adult, or a parent or grandparent, let me ask you this, what opportunities for potential gospel-centered interactions do you see in your life? And then if you're a student, if you're a member of the Gen Z class, what areas of faith are you most curious to be in conversations with older adults about? Even what do you wish was talked about more openly that is not currently? I think that's important for us to see. Because we know, especially in many of the traditional churches, that Gen Z is missing from many conversations. And so part of our conversation over these next couple weeks is going to be to do a, a dive into how do we uh, focus our minds around creating gospel-centered conversations to invite that generation into a relationship with us. So again, we have this idea that we are can experience divine encounters like Philip and the eunuch. And like Philip shows us with the eunuch we can engage with a sense of curiosity and even humility. And then this third point, and it's a big word to start with, but I'll unpack it here in a moment, is to contextualize the gospel and to seize opportunities. Now, what do I mean? Let me try to unpack that. So this word contextualization, yeah, it's a $100 word, right? It basically means making the gospel message understandable and relevant to the lived experiences and needs of the people that we are attempting to reach. That comes from Ruth Padilla, divorced in her book, Global Church, Reshaping Our Conversations, Renewing Our Mission, and Revitalizing Our Churches. And I think it's important here too, uh, from another amazing pastor, Sung Cha Ra, pastors of a very large church in, uh, in Asia, says contextualization is not a watering down of the gospel, but rather it's letting loose of the gospel into a new context from his book, Prophetic Lament, A Call for Justice in Troubled Times. Because I think part of what's happened, and even in our most recent election cycles, that somehow uh, we think that it's all about us as Westerners and our, even our American experience. And we need to be reminded that the world's a much larger place and that, uh, that Jesus is not a Republican or a Democrat. He's not even an American, that there's this understanding that I think we need to embrace. And so we need to see, too, though, even by us embracing a perspective that may be new, that that doesn't mean that we're compromising or we're watering down the gospel. In fact, again here, let's look at the story from Acts chapter 8. It says, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. What's interesting here in this story is that Philip uses the questions and the place of this idea of curiosity to begin sharing the very gospel that this eunuch needs to hear. He was ready to contextualize, in other words, to put the gospel in relevant terms from the very moment of the eunuch asking the question to engage him in the story and the good news of who Jesus is as he shares this scripture from Isaiah. Now, we also see in this text from Acts chapter 8 how Philip waits for the eunuch to ask the question, to allow his curiosity to sort of prick his mind, that the, what happens when we read scripture, that it actually, the word of God, we're told, does not return void, and that the word of God, the scriptures, can create a place or a space for our words to carry more power because they are rooted in and flow out of scripture. It's much more poignant to hear the story. And so one of the tasks we have, I think in this current season, is that we need to be prepared to contextualize the gospel, to put it in relevant terms to those around us, and then to seize the opportunities that that telling of the story in a relevant way can help us share God's love through this idea of evangelism and then also discipleship. It reminds me of a scripture we've looked at a number of times. as so We thought about uh, just taking the gospel forward in our Unhindered series. It comes to us out of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, where he says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. See, I think that's why we do the things we do here, whether it's serving a meal down at uh, Point of Grace or our Pots and Pans ministry, this idea that we can be a bridge uh, to where people are and meet them in their needs. And then I think what I would love to do is to engage our young people in a conversation about what does this mean? And, And we know when we hear the stories students share about the hope of Jesus in their own communities, can make a huge world of difference. And what it does take in all this is that we are aware of and we even have a sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit because that's what's critical if we're going to seize these opportunities, that we see through the eyes of the Holy Spirit these moments that can help lead to spiritual transformation. And we need to pray that we would increase our sensitivity where we can practice sharing our faith We talked about that, too, in the Unhindered series. We talked about the Life in Six Words app or the Dare to Share program of how do we share our faith with those around us. What we're not waiting for is uh, the writing on the wall or a voice from heaven to call us to action. Now, we have to be careful when we do these things that we, there's some caution here where we don't just write our own narrative about other people. We have to be careful that we don't bring our own assumptions about what may be their understanding or desires. And I think that's part of the context of what we're trying to unpack here, it to realize that this faith experience that has been so valuable to so many for many generations, that it's a different world. And we think about just how we all are trying to process living after the pandemic, of how it's changed the way everything works to have a better understanding. So let me ask you this question, who in your life is different than you that you have already written a narrative about without getting to know them better first. In other words, how have you judged a book by its cover? Realizing what you judged wasn't what they were, right? It's interesting, another stat to draw on from our friends at Barna, from the chart that's called the top things Gen Z are looking for in spirituality versus the pastor's assumptions. It says what that Gen Z is searching for is significantly different than what most pastors assume. And I have to admit, this was kind of interesting. In fact, I've heard it said uh, in other contexts where the church is trying to answer questions that people aren't asking. And so I think it's important for us to unpack this together and to be open about that. Uh, Now, I want us to know too, is that Gen Z has an amazing orientation towards action and having an impact in the world. And I guess the question I have to ask is, how are we championing and how are we empowering Gen Z to have a kingdom impact uh, for the causes that they care about? And I I want us to think about some questions here. And and my purpose in this message is to ask more questions than to give answers, to help us ponder first here. are, Are there ways we can all grow in making the scriptures relevant in our communication across uh, ministry and across generations. So how do we approach the the trends in our culture, or the language, or even the topics that feel a little bit unfamiliar uh, when we start interacting with uh, older or younger generations than our own? And I think we just have to look at the last election. It's interesting, and with the guy going too far into it here in Ohio, State Issue 1 and State Issue 2 both passed. I think it was surprising in Richland County, and Ashland County, and Wayne County, in this part of Ohio, it actually went down to defeat uh, by 60 percent. But it's interesting, as I had a conversation with some of my guys in jail, particularly around the issue of legalizing marijuana, that in counties that were more metropolitan, like downtown Cleveland or downtown Columbus, that it passed overwhelmingly with a 72 percent, 71 percent margin. And I think that it's those things that we need to figure out. Why is it that people find the use of substance or even the idea of abortion and how it, the role it plays in our, in our culture? It's, it's unsettling to some degree. And so we need to have some conversation as God's people because all of, many of these things come down to discipleship, it comes down to our relationship with Jesus and how he affects who we are and the life that we lead. Now, just a couple more thoughts here to sort of wrap up as we uh, unpack this together today about being open. Uh, How will we respond to this idea of spiritual openness? I, I pray that we ask for divine guidance, that as we think about our next chapter in this season for Linden Road, that we pray intentionally over these coming weeks about how God would use us and about our willingness to see the Holy Spirit lead us uh, into opportunities to have conversations with those that are far from Christ. And that as we engage people who are outside the church that we uh, assume the best in those conversations, that we can begin with uh, inviting people in for an open and honest, even curious conversation to, to live and to experience of faith that we all can learn from and for our young people that Gen Z, we recognize that they're open to new possibilities and new ways of practicing their faith, and that we would love to engage in that conversation to make it relevant for them too, and what we can learn from them in terms of their style of worship, how they encounter God in their prayer time, and so those are the things we want to pray about this week, so let's do that now. Father, we do pray for this spiritual openness, that we can respond to it that we can recognize uh, when you're working in our community, that we can recognize when you're working in our conversations and in our engagements, we can recognize when we encounter others of the need they may have, and to be able to pray with them and offer them encouragement uh, through your Holy Spirit. And then for our young people, that they would be willing to risk to be in relationship with an older generation, to have conversation about what it means to be fully devoted to you. And so, Jesus, we thank you for the truth of Scripture that can encourage us in all these things. May we be as Philip of old in this conversation with the eunuch. And we pray your Holy Spirit would guide us in all that. And we pray it through your strong name. Amen. Amen.